The Dory Monson Show on Cairo Radio. This is The Big Lead. Welcome. Welcome to The Big Show and The Big Lead. Brandy Cruz filling in for our friend Dory Monson, who's enjoying some holiday time with friends and family, as he should be. Although, Nicole, when you walked into the studio today, you were on the phone with him. He yeah. just needs to enjoy I some know, time step off. Away. I think that's what you told him, too. Stop listening to the radio I did. station. But if you're listening, Dory, hello, Merry Christmas to you. Thanks for entrusting your show to me. I know it's a big deal for you to do that. We were watching. So we were sitting here in the newscast and it was, um, you know, Aaron was talking about the weather and CNN is up on the screen. (sighs) TV reporters and covering weather to me, whether it's a hurricane or a blizzard, it's always terrible. Is that mean for me to say? So the CNN reporter is all bundled up, and she's in uh, Denver, Colorado. And on the screen, it says that there's life-threatening temperatures in Denver, which is very, very serious. Then you've got this TV reporter out there in the quote-unquote life-threatening temperatures, and she's doing that thing where you throw hot water up in the air and then wait for it to freeze, which, by the way, is dangerous. I saw a kid do this on a TikTok once, and he threw the boiling water up, and then it came down on him. Oh, (laughs) no. So you got the CNN reporter throwing hot water in the air, like the oldest trick in the book. And then she bends over on the sidewalk and finds a banana that someone has discarded <laughs> on the sidewalk. Banana. A rotten banana. And she picks it up and goes to a, a metal pole. pole and starts hitting it against the metal pole to show us what? That the banana's frozen? Yeah. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> Shocking. Thank you, CNN, for that compelling reporting. But someone who I know will give us much more informative reporting is Chris Sullivan, Cairo Radio's traffic guru. He's going to join us here for The Big Lead. The Big Lead top story. As you heard in the news, weather's the top story today. You've got situation out on the roadway. There's been some major collisions, major roadway closures, and also uh, multiple issues at the airport that has led uh, have led to delays. So Chris Sullivan joins us now. Chris, are you going to hit a banana against a pole or do we get something more cerebral from you? No, I'm going to send you back up to Snoqualmie Pass <laughs> like we did the first time. As the rite of passage of every new reporter that comes to Kyber Radio, you have to go all the way up to the pass. So yeah. remember the good old days? Oh, my gosh. I don't think I ever had to do that. So I think I was uh, immune from that. But I always felt bad for the reporters at Fox 13 when I was working there in the morning who they'd get in at 3 a.m. and they'd be like, yeah, you're going up to the pass. It's like, oh, great. I get to stand there and let people know how bad the pass is. So I always felt yep. bad for the reporters who had well, to do that. You know, I used to do that all the time, too, and it's it's loads and loads of fun. I'm sure. Uh, yeah. You know, today's it, it's an interesting day. The next 24 hours is going to be really interesting as I put on my meteorology hat, too, is that, you know, when we transition from this really, really cold weather, we start getting snow that turns into rain, then the freezing rain and the ice storm potential. I mean, the next 24 hours could be, I mean, really bad because we have all the snow. I mean, I'm up here in Snohomish County, and the snow that fell all this week is still packed and basically two or three inches of ice on my roadway and my driveway and my house and the trees and all that kind of stuff. And so when the freezing rain comes, that's just going to freeze on top of that. and That will lead to the trees coming down, power lines potentially, and, and some significant issues. So, yeah, I don't want to downplay the, the, the potential here, but, you know, it's it's these are really hard to predict. They're hit and miss. Depends on how the forces work out. But, you know, right now on the roads, what we've seen, I mean, 
it was very interesting. This morning, the top of Snoqualmie Pass was in better shape than I-90 between North Bend mm. and about halfway up the pass. And that's why we saw multiple crashes there this morning and why I-90 remains closed east of North Bend. The conditions there were just much worse, and that just doesn't happen. I mean, the traction tires were advised on Snoqualmie Pass, but you probably needed chains in North Bend. Well, how, it was uh, how very odd. An issue? Let me just ask you about that, because I was driving the other day on 90 East, and... I'm going, I usually go 10 over, okay, but obviously the roads weren't weren't very good, so I was going like 55 in the 70 zone, and this 18-wheeler comes blowing past me, like blows my doors off, and it's icy roads, and it seems like every time there's a major issue on 90 or up on the pass, it's a it's an 18 wheeler that got involved in an accident. Are they, what what's the deal there? Are they just driving recklessly just harder to drive one of them in the snow what's going on well in a lot of instances brady these drivers drive these conditions all the time you know so there is a level of confidence with them potentially that could lead to overconfidence in some issues and as you know and i've found out really firsthand with all the traveling to montana i've been doing the the snow as you move across the country the snow you got growing up in minnesota is much different than the snow you get here just like it is in denver or montana it's a different kind of snow it's thicker it turns into ice quicker uh and so what you have is you have you know drivers who may be used to this who are like okay, fine, I've been driving this my whole life, I know what I'm doing. There are others that are overconfident, and in a lot of cases what we have is we have drivers who say maybe going too slow or doing things, they get in front of a truck, the truck or comes up from there behind, and the truck then loses its own traction because it has to slow for other traffic as well. So it's a combination of, of different kinds of things, but the fact that you probably needed to chain in North Bend was just really odd because you just don't see that. I was hearing mm-hmm. from our drivers this morning who were going 30 uh, in their four-wheel drives past the outlet mall there towards the truck stop, and they were spinning out or here seeing others spinning out. So, yeah, it was just a very odd set of circumstances for that stretch where the top of the pass was better than getting there, and that I just I don't think I've ever seen that. What's your advice, though, because it's uh, th- Thursday. I had to think about that real hard. Thursday, a lot of people will be leaving today or tomorrow for Christmas if they're going to across um, the pass out east. I mean, should they worry about their ability to get there? Is the pass going to deal? Are there going to be continued closures? What can you predict? Well, the thing is, is that what we're looking at is even in Seattle, that we're talking about a potential ice storm and freezing rain. So that might even prevent you from getting around tomorrow as we transition to warmer temperatures. So it's, you know, it's going to be, if you're going to leave this afternoon, it might be better than Hmm. leaving tomorrow midday when we're in the middle of the freezing rain, though that might be better to leave later tomorrow afternoon when more of that freezing rain has transitioned to just rain and the temperature has come up and the danger has passed. So it's, it's really going to be you know, it's kind of like timing the market on Wall Street. I mean, what do you, you try your best, uh, but you don't always get the best results. So today, probably better than tomorrow. Tomorrow night, maybe better than tomorrow midday or morning, depending on how the conditions go. So it's it's really going to be hard to determine. What I can tell you is whatever is snow and, and frozen that is still out there, like the side roads all over the east side, uh, they're going to get some ice over the top of them, and that's going to make them almost impos- impassable until it warms up and we start cleaning some of that ice out of the way. So that covers the roads. That's not a great picture you're painting for us. But uh, we also saw a bunch of issues at the airport. One of them was a minor TSA security breach today. <laughs> Do you 
care about what what constitutes a minor security breach of the TSA? Well, well, from Sam Campbell, a reporter who was out there said it was a person who has clearance to go through the like an employee security point, but they didn't have the proper identification but they went through and so they had to go find that so while they had to went and found that person they had to shut down all the screening and what that did is on one of the busier days of the year when you close down screening for 12 minutes that may not seem like a lot that turned into hour and 15 to hour and 20 minute lines at security because that's how far it backed up because there's so many people going there there were people you know heading out to hawaii in shorts sitting outside at 18 degrees in the garage trying to be in, in line for TSA. That's kind of how crazy it was out there during the stretch because of that really minor security breach. Uh, and, you know, we're lucky they didn't clear the whole terminal, which we've seen in some cases when you have a more significant issue that they would send everybody who's inside the terminal out oh, and then gosh. you have to start all over again. So we didn't have to do that, thank goodness. But it was bad enough. I mean, there were people in line hoping that they were going to make their flight in two hours. Uh, yeah, it was just, it was kind of nightmarish that this happened on the day when we have such a crush out there at the airport. But yeah, fortunately, it wasn't anything more significant to that. And it seems like they've somewhat caught up. Uh, but of course, Alaska had an issue with one of its baggage issue things and they weren't getting people their luggage. Uh, that seat has been fixed as well. So not a good day to fly out on the airport. Not a good... So, okay. So the roads are gone. The airports are gone. What, what do we got left? Yeah, how's Amtrak? Any issues with Amtrak? <laughs> Well, as long as it's going to a safe speed, it should be okay. Oh, good. Um, I know that's a, it's a horrible joke for me because what we're on the five year anniversary almost to the day of the the deadly derailment down in Dupont, but uh, it, it's probably a safer bet today because uh, and probably not well utilized. So that might not be an option if you're if a good one if you head down thinking of heading down to Portland. It might be a a better drive or, or a better trip for you if you want to hop on a train all the way down to Portland or up to BC even. You know. Airport question before we, because I'm going to make you stick around for our next segment in the big lead. But one more airport oh, question for yeah. you: What what's the deal with this save your place in line at TSA? Oh, it's the greatest thing. Is in it the, the greatest thing? Of the world? Well, why don't you I just have, get TSA pre-check? Well, because I don't. Because I don't. Well, okay, I like taking off my shoes because I like everybody looking at my nice clean <laughs> white socks. You don't want to give the government your fingerprints? I didn't no. know you were so libertarian. Well, no. It's to be honest, we don't fly an awful lot, but over the last month holly and i have flown six times basically every weekend to go see tommy play football because the weather's gotten so bad over the passes toward uh, montana that we've been flying and so this spot saver thing which was started in seattle created in seattle is a really good really good you basically walk right up to the front of the tsa line it's just like t it's just like pre-check with the exception of you have to still take off your shoes and do all that other stuff. But, yeah, I mean, you up to 72 hours before your flight, you give them basically your flight information, your name, and you search for a 15-minute window around the time you think you need to get through security to make it to your plane, and you just show up. You could be back. I mean, the whole lane could be backed up all the way to the air uh, through the garage like it was today. You just walk right by all those people, and you go right to the spot saver spot, and you just they show them your QR code that they gave you, and you walk right up to the front of the line. And there's no special, it, like, screening. It's just no, you just did it no. online before you came to the airport. And it yeah, it was just a way to say. out? Like, it books what, up, right? Yeah, yeah. So there, there are a certain amount of 15-minute increments and in people that they can handle. But we've never, I mean, we've run up to the front of the line every single time in the last six weeks, including last 
Friday when we were flying out to South Dakota at hmm. the beginning of the holiday season. We just walked right up there, and people were like, hey, what are you guys doing? But that's not free chat. What are you doing? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's a really, real. so it's so successful that other airports around the country are starting to use this. Hmm. Um, and if you're stuck, say, out in the garage, you can even just try to get online and say, see if there's a 15-minute window right then. And then you could just buy, you could book out of that line and head right up to the front oh, man. if there's a space available. Cause trouble. Um, it's kind of gonna, it's gonna be like uh, Starbucks order ahead, right? Oh, it, yeah. Once everybody knows about it, it gets pretty messy. Yeah, they got that is true. It. But for right now, it's a it's a right. really good thing that's really underutilized. As a matter of fact, today when Sam Campbell was taking pictures of the lines, uh, the one line that had nobody in it, spot saver, and oh. you could have walked right there and just gone right to the front. Um, if you play, yeah, it's a really good thing. You can find it at the, what, at Fly SEA's website or, uh, whatnot, and you can, you know, check it out, see if you're comfortable with the information you have to give them. Really just your name, your flight information, uh, what time you're flying, and that's about it. And yeah, it's great. Holly and I have used it six out of the last eight weekends. Chris Sullivan saving people time. Chris, uh, stay with me for this next segment in The Big Lead. The Big Lead, Big Local. So Senator Marie Campbell, you know, I saw a bunch of stories quoting Senator Marie Campbell. Why do you think that is? Anyone want to venture a guess? Is she running for re-election oh, again? Oh, it's about That's the six... only time we seem to hear from her. <laughs> I don't hear anything from her. In fact, I don't even know if I've done an interview. I've been a political journalist in Seattle for 13 years. I don't even know if I've done an interview with Maria Cantwell. And all of a sudden, she's quoted in this article about Zelensky. And now she was also making this announcement, which I just kind of had to laugh at. And maybe I'm just being um, being a Grinch. Uh, Senator Maria Cantwell announces $538 million in Sound Transit Link light rail funding. Uh, she says she secured that funding as part of the fiscal year 2023 ominous appropriations bill. So it is um, going to go to between two things. A two link light rail projects. The Federal Way extension is going to get three hundred twenty nine million, and the Linwood extension is going to get two hundred fifty four million. And she's like, "Oh, this is this is great. The extension is now fully funded. We're one step closer to getting light rail service." Am I the only one who remembers how far behind Sound Transit Link Light Rail is? Well, the good news is that this money is desperately needed to finish these projects because uh, Sound Transit did such a poor job of estimating how much it was going to cost to appropriate the property for this and to do the construction. Uh, so they're so far and way so over budget and now rig- ridiculously behind schedule. And we can talk about that in a minute. Uh, and this also makes up for the fact that they've lost so much money during the pandemic because nobody was riding it. And anybody who was wasn't paying fares because they don't check if you pay anyway. Because that's racist. Uh, and, and they get most well and they get most of their money f- funding at the fare box and because they get no in the federal government they get basically no subsidy from the state uh except for all of our taxes in the tri uh tri uh, not tri-state but the tri-county area that that voted for sound transit uh and you know throughout the last you know 25 years but yeah i mean it's great they need the money to finish these projects the problem is the projects go f- are further and further and further behind federal way may not even open till 2025 it was supposed to be early 24 uh linwood was supposed to be 23 then it was 24 and now it may be as far as 25 as well even with this money uh so they just continue to fall Behind and let's not even forget, as Dory loves to push out, that the first ten years of Sound Transit that started in '96, just Ron Sims with a with a check mark on a paper, just said, "Whoop, it's gone, didn't happen." 
So those 10 years didn't happen. Well, yeah, they did because they've still been collecting taxes since 1996. It, you know, Pierce King and Snohomish counties and basically there's some parts of King and or Snohomish and Pierce certainly that haven't seen anything from that. So, but you just wiped a pen and just said, yeah, we're on time on budget. Well, that's because you reset the goalpost. Yeah. You made a hundred yard field, 300 yards long. (laughs) And you keep, and you keep saying we made it. But yeah, but we keep an eye on that and. Uh, anybody, I mean, what, since the reset, they are on time and on budget to some extent. Uh, lately, they've been doing a much better job with the money. But, yeah, they're way behind and way over budget. But the money is needed, and I'm glad they got it because the last thing we need are a bunch of loose ends that don't that don't go anywhere, kind of yeah. like we might have over I-90 since so they had to pull <laughs> up the tracks. Bridges because to nowhere. They, because they've got, the concrete has gotten so bad there that they, re, uh, yeah, that, or they have the wrong size tracks at the Tacoma Link Extension Hilltop. I mean, yeah, it, they need it, it. The projects need the money to get what the voters voted for. But if anybody, I mean, you can't keep a straight face and say it's anywhere near on time or on budget or being well run. Yeah, can't celebrate it. And I think the thing that bothers me is the lack of criticality from a lot of the local news outlets who reported on this. Like, oh, wow, the Link, Linwood extension is now on path to be fully funded by 2024. The Federal Way extension is fully funded three years ahead of schedule. And no mention of all the other issues with this the entirety of this project. It's just like, oh, here we go. Big win for Senator Maria Cantwell and no criticality at all. One more story. <laughs> the Seattle monorail. Really quickly, we've got one minute, Chris. <laughs> monorail. Uh, the monorail. monorail. The monorail. monorail. Is it fifteen million dollars the city of Seattle is getting to make the Seattle Center monorail station fully ADA accessible? Look, fine, I, I understand, but no. Does anybody? Does anybody ride the monorail? A lot of people do going to Climate Pledge Arena. Uh, a lot of people who are from Seattle and don't have long commutes in have the ability. They park downtown by the monorail and they catch the monorail back and forth to the game. So, so it does. It. It, it and concerts. It does happen. I've seen it. Uh-huh. Um, so that does happen. Uh, is it a, a, a tremendous mode? No, but it can serve its purpose on those big game and concert nights. Um, so yeah, and, and in fact, that's what the city of Seattle has pushed as the primary route to get there. Oh, is gosh. to and eventually once the Ballard Sound Transit line gets done, if that ever happens with the new tunnel they're gonna have to build under downtown, it will have a station near Climate Pledge, so then people will be able to use that. But no, the monorail is not I mean it does it a job. It's a tourist thing, it's but a on big thing. but on big nights at Climate Pledge, people actually do use it. Um Bull. so we'll see how we'll see if <laughs> you know what this does. Um but I mean I don't know. It's it's one of those things. It's kind of like wait for next year when they decide to go forward with refunding the center part of the streetcar in Seattle, which is or is not necessarily needed. The SLUT. Uh, yeah, my 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 thoughts are that the uh, the new the new folks there at SDOT, uh, including new director spots, they'll probably go forward with funding that again, whether or not right. it really does anything or not. Because right now there we have two dangling ends that nobody uses. Now that South Lake Union is a ghost town anyway, since all the tech workers are working from home. <laughs> Minor detail, Chris Sullivan. Thank yeah, you so small much. Small stuff. Small we, stuff. We appreciate it. A lot of stories today. We appreciate it. You sure I can't take up another two, three, or four half-hour segments? Yeah, just stay here the whole time. Stay here the whole time. I love talking to you, Brandy. You be on standby because we're going to have some sort of emergency situation during the show, I'm sure. Hey, I'm putting up my Christmas tree, okay? Oh, I forgot to ask you about the Christmas tree that you bought from Lowe's instead of some mom-and-pop shop. Listen, necessities, right? Necessities. I'm not proud of it. Chris Sullivan, thank you so much, and that has been The Big Lead. The Big Lead on Cairo Radio. Coming up... What is happening to the youth in America? A slew of horrible 
crimes committed by teenagers from Canada to the United States, from the East Coast to the West Coast. We're going to detail some of those crimes coming up. Brandy Cruz filling in for Dory Monson. is we're going to kick up the Christmas music a notch. This is kicking it up. Uh, by that, I mean we're going to feature a lot more Christmas music. Oh, today. I like that. And I like the, the, the elegant, old, classic Christmas songs. You can't beat it. Like, I don't want Mariah Carey, you know? That's overdone. I was tempted, but I was like, eh. Eh. Nah. Oh, it's nice. Oh, I'm really bummed about not getting a Christmas tree this year. Babe, if you're listening... I'm bummed for you. I know my fiancé listens. If you're listening, just give me a Christmas tree. Cut one down on your way home. I think that I, I was just talking to you and you said you had tomorrow off and Mike had Saturday off. I think that's a, a fun activity. And I know it won't be here the whole month of December, but you can leave it up a couple weeks into January and get your... Hey, my mother, can I tell the story quick? Yes. Uh, My mom, Sandy, she's a sweet Midwestern woman, you know, the the, the Minnesotans. We lived in the country outside of Fargo, North Dakota. That's where I grew up, middle of nowhere. And one year we did a fake tree. And it was the first time in a long time that we'd done a fake tree. And so Christmas comes, you know, my mom decorates it. She always did the maroon and gold and very proud of her Christmas tree. And then, you know... January ends and it's like, okay, the Christmas tree's still up and February begins. Oh, no. And into February. So February comes and there is, uh, what's the first uh, holiday in February? Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. So my mother, you know, takes the ornaments down from the tree and puts hearts up on the tree (laughs) that she cut out of the little, you know, cardboard Paper. paper. So all of a sudden we have a Valentine's Day tree. Okay, that's cute. So, Valentine's Day comes and goes. Uh-oh. And my mother continued this. So... St. Patrick's Day? St. Patrick's Day. Fourth of July. Easter. Easter. Wait, the whole and year? here is... Oh, it kept going. So, after Fourth of July, I think all, us four kids are like, is mom okay? <laughs> is, mom, <laughs> is mom okay? And then we had a back-to-school party every year. We're at our house. We'd have, like, the neighborhood kids. And by neighborhood, I mean, like, old Jimmy two miles down to the farm. And we would do a little back-to-school thing where my mom would buy some really inexpensive back-to-school supplies. And everybody got a little something. And we didn't have a lot of money, but that's something that she liked to do. And so back-to-school comes. I'm thinking, surely, before we have people over, my mother's going to take this freaking Christmas tree down. I'm just a kid. No, we. she made a ba- She made it into a back-to-school Christmas tree. Oh, my goodness. And she put erasers and pencils and notebooks in the Christmas tree for the neighborhood kids <laughs> to grab from. So at this point, you know, I was too young to know, like, maybe this was my mother's midlife crisis. But sure enough, the next Christmas came, and... We didn't have to set up a Christmas tree because it was still there from the year before. And we that had, was the only year she did this, though. Then it just after happened. That Christmas, it just happened it that down. one year. Yeah, it just happened that one year, and it was the Christmas tree of all seasons. I mean, that's a fun story. Is it a fun story? I think it's a good memory. Look, she made a lifetime memory for you. I mean, it is. I mean, a, I don't encourage it, but yeah, it is a lifetime uh, memory. I'm just not sure if it's a positive one or not. I mean, maybe I'll get to a point in my life where I'm like, that Christmas tree is staying up because I'm not taking it down. Nah, I don't think you will. <laughs> okay, That's good. not your style. <laughs> That's not my style. <laughs> All right. Um, 
we have actually a lot to get to in this segment, but I digress. Uh, we talked about, in fact, on the Dory Monson show, uh, it was like a month ago, you guys were talking about car thefts and how this has become a real problem. And Pierce County Sheriff Sergeant Darren Moss, you guys played the soundbite at the time where he just said, look, we've got a problem with young people. Oh, Nicole, how do I? Oh, there we go. Thank you. Our job is to enforce the laws. We took this kid into custody. He's going to go through the juvenile detention system. But something is going on where our young children are committing crimes like these. And it's horrible. And you see these 14, 15, 16-year-olds out committing crimes like motor vehicle theft, out shooting each other. But I, I really do believe that we have a much larger issue than strictly gang violence. Um there have been a slew of stories, not just local stories, but across the country, in Canada, about teens committing really serious crimes. I'm just ticking through a couple of the headlines from this week. Uh, police in Seattle arrested a teenager, 19 year, years old, for shooting a stolen gun in South Lake Union. I mean, that's, a, that's a neighborhood you don't hear a lot, awful lot of shootings at, South Lake Union right there by Amazon. I mean, maybe a little closer to Belltown. Uh, another one. Uh, detectives say in Burien that a 21-year-old is linked to more than 30 armed robberies in two weeks. 21-year-old. And I know that's an adult, but I'm sorry. It, and it's actually a 21-year-old and a 15-year-old suspect. Both of them linked to more than 30 armed robberies in two weeks in and around uh, Burien in King County. And they hit a variety, apparently, of gas stations, stores, restaurants. This all happened between November 2nd and November 18th in Burien, SeaTac, Renton, Kent, Tequila, Auburn. 21-year-old, 15-year-old. It's like, where are their parents? Uh, Massachusetts. God, these stories are horrifying, some of these national stories. Um, a USPS letter carrier was robbed while delivering mail out on his normal route. And the Melrose uh, Police Department, Melrose, Massachusetts, says that the suspects were two 16-year-old boys who committed an armed mask robbery of a mail carrier who was out on his regular route. Because they got the idea from TikTok, which is disturbing. Which is, and I, you know, there's another social media story that I wonder how much social media had to do with this happening. Um, We were going to talk about this yesterday. We ran out of time, but it fits into this narrative that we're discussing this morning. Toronto, Canada. This 59-year-old man in the middle of the night, it was like midnight. He's newly homeless is how Toronto police characterized him. He's like newly down on his luck. And he is at midnight at this main rail station in the city of Toronto. And all of a sudden, a group of eight Teenage girls, as young as 13 years old in this group, comes up, mobs this homeless man, and stabs him to death. He ended up being transferred to an area hospital. Um, He ends up dying. This group of eight teenage girls, again, some of them as young as 13, who mobbed him and just stabbed him to death, are now facing second-degree murder charges. And according to Toronto police... They think that the motive was the the teen girls wanted to steal this homeless man's alcohol. Uh, Here is a detective with the Toronto Police Service. They come from varying parts of the city. That is to say they are not from one specific geographic location. We don't know how or why they met on that evening and why the destination was downtown Toronto. Uh, we We don't know how long they have been acquainted together with each other. 
but I wouldn't describe them as a gang at this point. But what they what they are alleged to have occurred that evening would be consistent with what we traditionally call a swarming or swarming type behavior. And what they say is these girls met on social media. So what is that? What what, are you, what kind of social media site do you meet and say, hey, let's go stab a homeless man in the middle of the night? And so you got some 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds, and 16-year-olds in this group. All eight of them, where are their parents? Why are they downtown at a real station in a major metropolitan area at midnight? And I mean, obviously, why are they stabbing a stranger to death would be another question. So it's just wild. And there was this also this story from Krem uh, over in Idaho. What, the, what is going on? These 14-year-olds have uh, pled guilty to attempted murder where they allegedly tried to kill a friend's stepdad for telling them that they couldn't go to the park. So this was an incident that happened in February um, in Lewiston, Idaho, but they just pled guilty to it. So they said they couldn't. So the stepdad, the the man uh, who they tried to kill, George Hamblin Jr., told his stepdaughter and her friends they couldn't go to the park with a BB gun. Which, you know, thank God, that's a that's some uh, an adult with their head on their shoulders. No, you can't. Fourteen year olds take a gun to take a BB gun to the park, and then they tried to kill him. Which is absolutely insane. This is Krem on, on this story. Krem. A breaking news update for you tonight. Two 14-year-olds have now been arrested on first-degree murder charges. The two Lewiston teens are accused of shooting an adult man and a young girl last night. According to police, those teens made plans to shoot and kill those victims. Both suspects have been charged as adults. The victims did survive, but police say they received serious and life-threatening injuries. And then there's down in Florida. Of course, we have to fit a Florida one in. A Florida teen stabbed and beat their mother, stabbed them, then beat them with a frying pan until the handle broke. Why? Because she asked him to clean his room. 17-year-old, just arrested on November 30th, stabbed his mom with a pocket knife, beat her with a frying pan until the frying pan broke because she asked him to clean his room. There is something going on with America's youth. I agree with Sergeant Moss down in Pierce County. We need to figure out what it is. It goes well beyond, I think, just in a lot of these instances, bad or absent parenting. I think we have a complete breakdown of interpersonal relationships when it comes to kids. Social media, gaming, all of that has to do with it. They are incapable of forming meaningful interpersonal relationships. And until we fix that, we cannot fix what's wrong in our country. Brandy Cruz in for Dory Monson. Much more ahead on The Big Show. on the text line says please no Christmas music all caps Dirk I'm going to override you I am feeling festive it's hard not to in the Kai Radio Studios you guys have it really decorated in here you got garland the fake fluffy snow some little garland uh, what do you call it deer some bows and lights looks nice in here festive um People really liked my mom Christmas tree story. I was telling the story a little bit ago about how my mom one year for Christmas put up a fake tree and then left it up all year and just changed the decorations on depending on what holiday it was. You may have started a new trend. Yeah. Uh, Let's see here. Um, uh, Gig Harbor. Oh, my God. Cracking up. That's so funny. Uh, Turtle in Arlington. My Nana also has a seasonal tree at her home. She started with a tabletop branch at her desk in Linwood PD before retirement, but now it's tall, thin faux tree. 
Uh, she's never done back to school, though. I'm going to have to share that idea with her. Don't, don't, don't share that idea with her. Oh, yes. Uh, four to five. I think that sounds fun, Brandy, what your mother did with the tree. I'll have to tell Sandy that her tree was a big hit. All right. Mm-hmm. Weed, chest confetti, the devil's lettuce. I don't know how many more <laughs> names I can come up with. Um, apparently, cannabis sales in 2022 are down in Washington state, which is sort of a little ino- anomaly because they've been up every year since 2014. Uh, but there was a pretty significant drop. This, according to King Five News, the uh, Liquor and Cannabis Board says they might be seeing growth uh, of legal cannabis sales sort of dipping. But so uh, fiscal year 2022 saw a 12 percent drop in weed sales from 2021. But in one of the interesting things, and I was glad this King Five article mentioned this, is because they think that it might actually be 2021 that that was the anomaly. Because think about 20, what was happening in 2021. Mm-hmm. We were all just like, our lives are terrible. We're Hang stuck out. at home. We're hanging out. And people are probably just smoking weed and eating edibles and stuff at home. And so it sounds like what might have happened is there was this big spike while people were at home during the pandemic uh, where they were smoking or chewing or whatever people do with their weed these days. You can tell I'm not a pot smoker. I don't know the lingo. Uh, although I have had an, an edible or two in my day. I'll confess to it. You're confessing. Uh, Well, it's legal. I guess what's there to confess to? I suppose. I don't know what the rules are here at Bonneville. uh, It was many moons ago. Many moons. Uh, I wonder if any of the crime has anything to do with it, the crime at weed stores, because every time I pass one, I'm like, you cannot pay me enough to work there because it is so scary right now for pot stores. Well, and I, you know, this is one of the things, right, when I feel real bad for the cannabis industry is like, look, I get that our um, existing system is operating outside of federal law. I I do understand that. But at the same time, this is where we're at. We've, We've legalized it. It's been that way for a long time. And the fact that they cannot participate in the traditional banking system makes them a prime target. And of course they would be robbed at gunpoint. Of course people would be shot and killed uh, like what happened in Tacoma. And so, yeah, I mean, I wonder how much that's part of just the overall ability of that industry to succeed in Washington state. But um, Dwayne Dunn, who's the owner of Emerald Leaves Dispensary, he spoke to King Five and he also said that illegal markets are cutting into the sales from legitimate retailers. He says that you have some people who can buy weed uh, illegally on the black market still, uh, and they can do it for much cheaper than, you know, these cannabis uh, industries. They're being taxed at, what, 37 percent, I think, is the state's tax on cannabis sales. So their prices, you know, you're not going to be able to compete with whatever the drug dealer down at Third Ave is charging for it or wherever people might get their weed these days. So, uh, yeah, pot sales down in 2022. Is it because the illegal market's cutting in? Is it because people smoke so much weed in 2021? I I guess we don't know for sure. All right, much more ahead on the big show, The Fastest 15, coming up. We have an update on what Joe Kent might be planning to do uh, in 2023 and beyond. Brandy Cruz filling in for Joey Monson.